Well, good morning again. You ever have one of those days where everything that could go wrong does go wrong? Uh, this, is, this has been one of those days. In fact, the, the last couple of days has kind of been that way. And uh, I, I, in, when we approach days like this, it's a reminder to me that God wants to do something really big, that uh, the enemy wants to come and, and really fight against something when he knows God wants to do something really big. And so I, I have no idea what your morning was like. I know what mine was like and some of the others around here this morning. And so I'm expecting God to do some great things this morning, and I hope you are too. Uh, in fact, I, I'm, I'm excited because uh, this morning I, I'm going to talk to you about something that I think is one of the coolest things that as a pastor I could talk about, um, and that is baptism. Some of you don't look all that excited. <laughs> Hopefully by the time we're done that you'll be as excited as I am because I, I just really, I really believe that baptism is a really, really big deal. And the reason that I believe it's a big deal is because Scripture is very clear that Jesus thought it was a pretty big deal. And so if he thinks it's a big deal, we ought to think it's a big deal. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk more about what Jesus thought about baptism in just a moment. But uh, since baptism is such a big deal, I thought it would be good this morning. Uh, I don't know that I've ever preached a message specifically on baptism, but it, this was just kind of in my heart. And so I thought it would be a good idea this morning for us just to talk about it, to make sure that we're all thinking about it in the same way. And so I, I probably ought to let you know this up front, though. Um, I have kind of a secret agenda this morning. And uh, my secret agenda is that if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, my secret agenda is that by the end of our time together, you'll be willing to do that. And so that's my kind of sneaky, not-so-secret now agenda for this morning, all right? Just so that we all know up front. So let's just, let's just jump in. Uh, the reason I believe that for any person who calls themselves or claims to be a follower of Jesus, that baptism should be a big deal, it, it all revolves around something that Jesus said right before he ascended up into heaven. In fact, this is probably one of the most famous things that Jesus said. Uh, it's not quite as famous as John 3.16, but probably a close second. But it was at the end of Jesus' ministry, and this is the very last thing that he says before he ascends up into heaven. And we just spent a number of weeks talking about the importance of last words, right? And so this is the last thing that Jesus gets to say to his disciples. And, and so these last words are important. Jesus gives them these final instructions, and he says these words in Matthew chapter 28. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then here's our word. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, right before Jesus gets ready to leave his friends, he gathers them together and he says, listen, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. And I, I'm gonna, I want to leave you with a very important task. This is now your responsibility. And he says, I want to remind you that as a follower of me, the most important part of your job, the most important thing you can do is wherever you go, make disciples. 
In other words, tell people about me. Tell people about my great love for them. Tell people what I did for them when I died and I rose again. And then he says, invite them to follow me just like you're following me. And whenever people embrace that message, whenever they embrace me, part of that process is you need to baptize them. They need to be baptized in God's name, in my name, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is a really big deal because it was so important to Jesus that he could have said anything before he left. But he took this last opportunity, this last shot to give some final instructions to his friends who he had chosen to carry on his ministry. And again, he could have talked about anything, but the most important thing he could think to tell them was, go baptize people, make disciples of them, baptize them in God's name, my Father's name, in my name, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope you notice this, that when Jesus says these words, he does not say them in the form of a suggestion. He he doesn't say, um, you know, um, if you feel like it, go make disciples and baptize them. Jesus gives a command here, and the language that he uses is very strong. He doesn't leave any wiggle room. He he doesn't say, you know, guys, if you you don't have anything better going on, you know, then if you got the time, then go make disciples. Or if you feel like it, go baptize people. He, He says it very plainly, very clearly, very strongly, because this is not a suggestion, it's a command. And so this leads me to a statement that I'm going to make that may get me in a little bit of trouble. Uh, It may be a little controversial, but but here goes. I, I think I'm convinced that it's almost impossible to call yourself a disciple of Jesus without being baptized. Think about that for a second. Now, now, some of you are like, okay, Doug, so are you saying you've you got to be baptized to go to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, when the thief was on the cross, this is a great example, he turned to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. He didn't have an opportunity to get baptized. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And so it's not about that. But, but what I mean by that, I think it's, it's, it's virtually impossible to call yourself a disciple of Jesus unless you are baptized. This is why I say that. Because in Jesus' day, to be a disciple of someone meant that you became a follower of that person. It meant you adhered to their, their teachings. It meant you lived your life in line or in obedience to what they taught. That's what a disciple was. And, and all throughout Jesus' ministry, he makes no bones about this. He's very clear that to follow him meant to obey him. In fact, three times in John chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He says that three times. In verse 24, he goes as far to say that anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. 
And so Jesus equates this loving him to obeying what he commanded his, his followers to do. And in, John, in 1 John chapter 2, John goes as far to say this. He said, if somebody claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar, John says, and is not living in the truth. He goes on to say, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. In other words, to be a disciple of Jesus means that we obey what he commands us to do. He's very clear about this. And one of the most important things he's commanded us to do as followers is to become his disciple. It's one of the first things that we do in obedience to him is to become his disciples by being baptized and then making other disciples by baptizing them. And so as disciples, baptism is really, really a big deal. And so, in order to help us understand more about this thing called baptism, what I thought I'd do this morning is I want to share with you, first of all, a little bit about what the Bible says about baptism, but also what history teaches us about baptism as well. Because when you combine those two things together, um, history and what the Bible says, baptism is really a no-brainer. And again, remember, my secret agenda that's not so secret, is that by the end, if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, that you'll be compelled to obey Jesus' command and be baptized. Because I'm, and you'll help me, because I as a leader have been told, go and baptize people. Go and make disciples by baptizing them. That's what I've been tasked to do. In fact, that's what you're paying me to do. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, all right? And so we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But um, in order to begin our discussion this morning, what I want to do is I, I need to teach you a little bit of Greek. And again, I mean, there are so many excited faces out here this morning. When you heard Greek, it was like several of you just lit up. Uh, but no, I, I need to teach you a little bit of Greek. Um, and so real quick, the little Greek word in your English Bible that is translated as baptism or baptize is this little Greek word that looks like this. All right, that is the word baptizo. Baptizo. So I want you to say that with me, okay? Well, and you gotta, you gotta really get the bop out there, all right? So say this with me. Ready? One, two, three. Baptizo. Let's do it one more time. Baptizo. All right, so now you can leave here and you can tell all your friends, dude, I speak Greek. And so, uh, baptizo, all right? Um, now, you, you may or may know, know, know this already. The reason this is important is because the entire New Testament, when it was originally written, it was written in this language, in the Greek language. And when the scholars were translating our English Bibles, what we have now, when they were translating it from Greek into our English Bibles, which I'm so glad that they did that, but what they did is they would do a one-on-one -on -one translation. In other words, they would take a Greek word and translate it to the equivalent English word. And so when they saw the word, for instance, when they saw the word theos, they would write the word God in its place. Or when they saw the word agape, they would write the word love in its place. Whatever the Greek word was, they would just put the English equivalent in its place. But then there were times, 
as they are going along, that they would encounter a word in the Greek that had no English equivalent, that we just had no word for it. And so in your Bible, when you see the word baptism or baptized, that's one of these words. We had no word for baptizo. And so baptizo, rather than a translation, is what is called a transliteration. And what a transliteration is, is when they would take the sound of the original word and they would transliterate it into English using English letters. And so some of these words we got that we had no word for before and they are a transliteration of the original word. Now, the reason this is important is because, especially when it comes to this word, but when it comes to, to these transliterations, sometimes we run into an issue because, uh, because of the fact that that word originates in the Bible for us. Um, we, we lose some of that word's meanings, and this is what happened with this word baptizo, because for us, it is specifically a religious word. Now, we have taken that word and we have tried to apply it in other places, but it still goes back to the original meaning. You know, we'll say things like baptism by fire, right? Uh, but, and so we've, tried, we've taken it and expanded a little, it a little bit, but it still has a, re, a religious origin for us. However, in the first century, baptizo was not a religious word. It was actually a very common word. And here's what it meant. Baptizo meant to wash or to plunge or to soak or to dip. And so we find this word all throughout secular Greek literature, this word baptizo, and it's used in all different kinds of ways. I mean, it's used to describe uh, washing of clothes. It's, it's used to describe when people drowned. It's used to describe when ships would wreck in the ocean. In fact, uh, this is kind of interesting, but one of the most famous usages of this word came from a, a, a philosopher um, named Encander in about 200 BC. They discovered these documents where he uses this word baptizo to describe a recipe for making pickles, of all things. And so what he says is, in this recipe, he says, uh, first of all, you need to take the vegetable and you baptize baptizo it in boiling water, and then once you've done that, you baptizo it again in vinegar. And then he says, when it dies, it goes to heaven. No, he doesn't say that, because that's not the way he's applying this word. Uh, nobody before Jesus would have thought anything even like that, because this was just a common word that meant to wash, to plunge, to soak, or to dip. And so that leads us to this question. How did this very common word, which means to wash or to plunge or to dip, how did it begin to take on religious significance? In other words, why, when the English translators, as they're translating the Bible from Greek to English, when they came across this word, why didn't they just put wash? Why didn't they just put plunge? Why didn't they just put dip? In fact, when, when Jesus gave the great commission, why didn't they say, go ye therefore into all of the world, making disciples and washing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? 
And, and this, is, this is really important, folks. Uh, let, me, let me just explain how this common word, baptizo, began to take on some religious meaning. Way back in the Old Testament, way before Jesus, people who were non-Jewish, when they would visit places like Judea and Jerusalem and places like that, when they were there, some of them would notice how the Jews worshipped only one God. And for them, this was kind of a unique thing because that was unusual during this era of history to have only one God to worship. And so when these non-Jews, they would see that and they would experience and then they would be around the, the Jews for a period of time. And they, they began to believe in the God of the Jews. And some of them, as a result, wanted to become practitioners of Judaism. And so they would ask, you know, what, what do I have to do to join your church? How can, I, how can I join your church? Is there any way that I could become Jewish even though I wasn't born Jewish? And so the Jewish leaders, they got together and they came up with this system through which non-Jewish people like us, they were called Gentiles, but non-Jewish people like us, even though they weren't born Jewish, they could go through this process to where they had the right to act like a Jew, dress like a Jew, live like a Jew, and most importantly, worship like a Jew. And so basically, they created this list of things that a person had to do if you wanted to become Jewish. And here's what you'd have to do. This is, this is what you'd have to do. Okay, so um, first of all, men. Circumcision. Okay, circumcision is where you take, you guys know what circumcision is, right? Okay, you're looking at me like, what in the world is this? So, no, the first thing, if you're a man, you had to be circumcised. And so, as you could guess, most of the converts to Judaism were women. All right, you're warming up, you're getting with me here. So, so men, the first thing that you'd have to do was to be circumcised, then you would um, participate in what was called a covenant meal. And this meal somehow reflected the essence of pa the Passover story, which was very important to the Jews. And, and then there would be an acknowledgement of the Old Testament law. And what this meant was that you were surrendering yourself to the law of Moses. You, you would have to say, you know what, from this point on, I am going to do, I'm going to live out, I'm going to live according to the law of Moses, I'm going to do what it says. In some cases, you would have to memorize portions of it or all of it, but essentially to become Jewish meant that I am going to live my life, the law of my life will be the law of God as revealed to Moses. And then you would make a, a sacrifice of some sort, which was symbolic of the covenant that God had made with his people. And, and by making this sacrifice, it was symbolic that now, as I am becoming a Jew, I am a part of this covenant. The covenant that God made with Abraham and his people is now true in my life, that that promise is true for me. And, and then the final thing that you would do as a Gentile, in order to become Jewish, is that you would have to take part in this ceremonial washing. Now, th this ceremonial washing was something that you did all by yourself. No, nobody washed you. And here's what it represented. As a person washed themselves, it represented the fact that I am cleansing myself of all of my Gentileness. 
I am, I am cleansing myself of all of my sin, all of the times that I have violated the law of God, the law of Moses. And I am washing away my old way of life. And in, in, in uh, response to that, as I've washed away my old way of life, I am becoming a new person. I am being made into something new. I, I no longer identify with that person that I was, with my old way of life. But now my identity is found in, in Judaism and in the God of the Jews. Now again, nobody did this for you or to you. You did this yourself. And, and in this part of the world where Jews were predominantly Greek-speaking Jews, the term that they would associate with this ceremonial washing was the word Baptizo. Baptizo. Now, they would usually put some sort of an adjective on the front of it so people would know that it was different than just washing your dishes. It was a different kind of washing, that this had some religious connotation, specifically as it related again to your leaving your Gentileness behind and now entering into a new life as a Jewish person. Okay, so with all of that as a backdrop, in about 30 A.D., something really crazy happens. In 30 A.D., the Bible tells us that one day, this, this wild-eyed, barefooted, animal skin-wearing, smelling like he'd never had a bath dude, walks out of the desert onto the banks of the Jordan River, and he starts preaching. And his message is really simple. It's repent, Repent, repent. And of course, we know this guy's first name was what? John. Yeah, John. And he came with this message, repent, 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 over and over again. And people were like, okay, John, I think we've got it. Do you have anything else? And John would say, yeah, I've got something else. Repent. You need to repent. You need to turn from your sin, and you need to go a different direction. In other words, what John's message was, was, was this. John was saying to the Jewish people, he was saying, listen to me. God is about to do something brand spanking new. God is about to do something that none of us have ever even seen of before. Something that's never been done before. And here's the deal. If you're not right with God, when God does it, you're going to miss it. I mean, it doesn't matter that you're children of Abraham. It doesn't matter that you're already Jewish. God is going to do something that goes beyond even your worship in the temple. God is going to do something even beyond your sacrifices. None of that stuff is good enough, and you're going to miss out on what God is doing unless you quit sinning, you repent of your sin, and you surrender your life to God. That was John's message. And then, and then John does the weirdest thing. After preaching this message, he wades out into the middle of the Jordan River, and he says, people, if you want to get ready for what God is about to do, if you're ready to repent, then get down here in the water with me. 
And then day after day after day, John would preach this message and people would line up and they would come down into the water and John would do the weirdest thing. We're not sure exactly how he did it, but whatever he did, the people, to the people, it, it looked kind of like some sort of ceremonial washing. And so when they went to describe what it was that John was doing, they couldn't think of any other term and so they, they used the term that John was baptizoing people because somehow they understood he's not just washing off our dirt he's, he's not just washing us but somehow he is taking this washing and he is associating it with the repentance that he's been preaching about he's associating it with a new life kind of like when a gentile would leave their old life and become a brand new person through a ceremonial washing. And so these people, they, they began to believe somehow, you know, even as Jews, we are becoming something different, something more, something more important than even our Jewishness. We are, we are leaving behind something, and we are becoming brand new through this ceremonial washing. And so after a while, these people, as John does this day after day after day, they give him a nickname, John the Baptist. Yeah. And you guys thought that was just his last name. Or you thought that's where he attended church. But that, that was his nickname. It was actually John the Baptizer. John the Baptist. Here's how it would look in the Greek right up, right up here. Somebody read that for me because I can't. Nobody wants to read that? Okay. It, it, John, English word, we just put the English word there. And then he's not Irish, it's not O, it's actually Ho, which is Greek for the. And then Baptistes. John the Baptistes. John Ho Baptistes, which is a derivative of that word baptizo or baptizo. Now, now here's what's interesting is that while baptizo, was a common Greek word. This word, baptistes, is never used in any other literature except scripture, except religious literature. One person was impressed with that. <laughs> now, this is good stuff, man. You're learning stuff here. This is important stuff. Listen, this is why it's important. This is, this is important because it tells us that when people saw what John was doing, they didn't have a word for it because they'd never seen it before. I mean, this was something new. They didn't have a word for it because nobody had ever ceremonially washed somebody else. Again, in Jewish culture, whenever this happened, you did this for yourself. Again, as a symbol, I am leaving my Gentileness behind and I am stepping into a brand new life. I'm being made new as a Jew. And so this had never been done before, and people didn't know what to call it. And so as John became John Ho Baptistes, John the Washer, John the Dipper, John the Immerser, they just made this up because it was something that was brand new. And so the people, they would come when John would come and preach, and John would baptizo them. 
And, and the people, what they were doing was, they were saying, you know what, I believe what John is saying. I believe that it's true. And I believe that in order for me personally to experience this new move of God, then I have to do what he said. I have to repent of my sin. And I'm not going to hide from it anymore. In fact, I'm going to go public with it. Because I believe, and I want everybody else to know, that I believe that what John is saying is true. You see, they understood that it wasn't just enough to sit in the crowd. It wasn't just enough to stand on the riverbank and go, Amen, John, good preaching. They, they knew that what they had to do was what John was saying. He was saying, you're going to come out here. The reason we're doing it in this river is it's a public place. It's a place where the people gather. And you're going to come out here and you need to say and let the community know that you've turned away from your old way of life and now you're becoming something brand new. And John says, so come down here in the water. Let's let everybody know the decision that you've made. Let's make this thing public. And one day, Scripture tells us that as John is doing that, he's baptizoing all of these people. And this is one of the great moments in the New Testament. I mean, John is baptizoing all these people. And again, this is a public gathering place. And so there are people there who are washing their clothes and they're seeing all this take place. And they're like, man, those guys are a bunch of fanatics. What in the world are they doing? And there's kids that are playing around and splashing in the water. And John is baptizoing these people. And all of a sudden, he stops what he's doing. He looks up on the shore and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, John is like, guys, 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 guess what? That guy that I've been talking about who was going to come from God to do something that we've never seen before, guess what? He's here. He's right over there. And you remember, remember when you guys thought that I might be the Messiah and I told you, no, there's one that's coming that's greater than me. And, and I baptize with water. He's going to baptize with fire. And I've been telling you that the Messiah is coming. I'm just a forerunner. Guess what? He's here. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus, man. He comes down into the river, and he does the craziest thing. He looks at John, and he says, John, I want you to do to me what you've been doing to them. I want you to baptizo me. Wash me. And John looks at Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, are you crazy? I mean, what are you talking about? If anybody should baptize somebody, you ought to baptize me. If there's any of us who needs our sin washed away, it's certainly not you. It's me. And Jesus says, no, John, it is necessary for you to baptize me. Because here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that as all of these people watched that day, that he knew that if he allowed John to baptize him, they would recognize the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, was affirming the message that John had been preaching all of this time. You need to repent, and you need to be made new 
You need to be washed clean. You need to become something new. You need to repent, which really repent, all repent means is I'm headed one direction in my own life, and repent means to turn and do a 180 and head the other direction. I'm just going gonna, gonna to head a different way. And so Jesus affirmed that message, you need to repent. In other words, you need to quit identifying yourself with your sin. And you need to identify yourself with me because now you are being made new. You're being cleansed. And so John the baptizer, John the immerser, he washes, he baptizes Jesus, the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And then after that, Jesus' disciples, they start baptizing people everywhere that they go. When somebody would hear the message of Jesus and they would receive it in their heart, they would say, you know what, I'm agreeing with that. I want to become a disciple of Jesus. The way that they would do that was they would take them and do just like John did, and they would baptize them. Every time people would say, you know what, I'm going to believe in Jesus. Every time people would do exactly what some of you did, 18 people last week. Every time they would do what some of you have done over the past several months, said, you know what, I'm going to identify with this message. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to receive it in my heart. I really believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And I'm going to follow him. And they would line up. And Jesus' disciples, they would baptizo them in front of everybody as a declaration. We are aligning ourselves with Jesus. We're not who we used to be. We've been made new. And so when Jesus is getting ready to leave this planet, he said, okay, guys, now it's totally on you. I mean, I'm going to send my spirit to help you, but I'm not going to be here any longer. And so you're going to be my hands, and you're going to be my feet, and you're going to be my mouthpiece. And so wherever you go, I want you to teach the same things that I've taught you, because you're my disciples. You, you've learned to follow what I've said. You obey my commands. Now teach other people to do that. And for the ones who believe, for those who say, you know what, I am ready to leave my old life. And I want to enter into a new life. I want to grab hold of a new life that Jesus came to bring me. When they decide to become my disciple, when they become, decide to become my follower, it's not enough that they just make that decision on the inside. They need to show it on the outside. I, I want you to baptize them. And that's how this whole thing happened. And so let me, let me just sum up all of this with three very quick statements about baptism and why for anybody who wants to be a follower of Jesus, this really ought to be a big deal for us. Uh, the, the first one is this. First of all, this ought to be a big deal because baptism is my public declaration of a new association. <laughs> the, the baptism is my public declaration of a new association. You see, when we baptize, one of the reasons that we do it in a setting like this, instead of just going off somewhere by ourselves, one of the reasons we do it in a setting like this is because we are making a public statement. We are saying, I am unashamedly associating myself with Jesus Christ. 
And I am unashamedly associating myself with the message and the mission and the person of Jesus. So baptism is my public declaration of a new association. Secondly, Baptism is the symbol of a new identity. Again, this whole thing revolves around a new life, being made new. And so just like when a Gentile would become Jewish by being ceremonially washed, when they did that, it was a symbol that I am leaving my old life, it's all been washed away, and now I have a brand new identity. In the same way, this is what baptism is. Because we have put our faith in Jesus and we have associated ourselves with him, then what we're saying is, my old life has been washed away by his grace and his mercy, and I have been made brand spanking new. It's that new birth. I've been born again. I have a new identity in Christ. I am a new creation. All the old stuff has passed away. And behold, everything has become new. And listen, the reason that we dunk people down in the water is because there's a whole lot of symbolism in that. I mean, not only is it symbolic of washing your sins away, but, but, but when we dunk people down in the water, it's like going down into a grave. In fact, that's one of the nicknames for baptism is a watery grave. And so when we go down, we go down and we die to our old self. It's symbolic of the fact we have died to our old self. And when we come up, we come up a brand new person. It's a new life. And so when people, yeah, that's worth clapping for. When people come up, we ought to be excited about it. It's symbolic of this brand new identity that I have in Christ. I am a new person. And listen, um, um, okay, third one, third one. You can listen because it's the third one. So this is just from a practical standpoint. And I've, I've already hit this several times, but one of the reasons baptism is such a big deal is because baptism is our mark of obedience. Man, man we live in a culture where we like to mark ourselves up. Um, you know, we get piercings and tattoos and all kinds of stuff that, 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 that it identifies who we are again. It's this identity, but baptism is our mark. It's our tattoo that I am a person who follows Jesus, which means I just say yes to whatever it is he tells me to do. It's my mark of obedience. And listen, if you want to break being a follower of Jesus down into its lowest common denominator, being a follower of Jesus is as simple as just saying the next yes. I mean, we make it really difficult sometimes. But, but being a follower of Jesus is as simple as just saying the next yes to whatever it is that Jesus asks us to do next. And, and listen, there are times... Where, where we need to really press in and we really need to pray and we really need to seek wisdom as to God, what is it, Jesus, that you want me to do in this situation? There are times that we need to do that, but not all the time. Because there are some things that he has made perfectly clear, this is what I want you to do. You don't have to question it. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to pray about it anymore. Just do what I've already told you to do. And sometimes I think we get stuck spiritually because we haven't said the last yes. And we wonder, God, why aren't you telling me to do anything else? Why aren't you talking to me? Why don't I hear you? And God's saying, I already told you to do something. I'm just waiting for you to say yes to that so then I can tell you the next thing. 
And so baptism is our mark of obedience. And so this morning, here's the deal. If you are here and you have made that decision, you know what? I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And you've invited him into your life to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. But you haven't been baptized yet. Listen, why wait another minute? Why? I mean, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that this morning, to be obedient to what Jesus instructed us to do. And so this is your opportunity to either say yes to Jesus or to say no to Jesus. And I know, I know, I know some of us are like, man, I would, but I'm just not prepared, you know? I, I didn't bring a change of clothes. I didn't bring a comb for my hair. Listen, we are prepared for you. I mean, we're going to alleviate any excuse that you might have. We've got some clothes for you to change into. We've got shorts. We've got shirts that say made new on them, and you get to keep the shirts. You can't keep the shorts, but we got a towel for you to dry off with, and so we are prepared. And so there is absolutely no excuse to not be obedient to Jesus this morning. And so here's what we're going to do. Let me just tell you what this is going to look like, and, and then I'm going to pray. So I'm going to have the band come, but this, this is what we're going to do. Um, the, the band's going to play, and, and when they do, I'm going to pray first, but then the band's going to play. And when they do, anybody who wants to be obedient to say yes to Jesus and make this public declaration of your faith, when the band plays, um, I want you to meet me out in the lobby. We're going to stand and leave your seat, leave your friends, leave your family. They will wait for you. But I want you to meet me out in the lobby. We'll get you outfitted with some clothes. We'll give you some instruction. We'll show you a place to change. And then you will be led down through the bowels of this deep, dark, cavernous building. <laughs> it's scary. Uh, but we will make the long trek from clear back there underneath where we're at. And back here, there's a, there's a baptismal behind me. And you'll be led back there. And I'll be waiting in the cold, frigid water. Hey, listen, I, I told you earlier, I mean, when, when, when God, I know when God wants to do something, the enemy's going to fight. So everything that could go wrong went wrong. The pump on our baptistry went out. And so uh, we've been trying real hard to get warm water into it, and, and, and there's some in there now. But I mean, the, our lighting wasn't working right. There was all this stuff that we didn't have enough shorts this morning. They disappeared, and so we had to go buy more shorts and more towels and all this kind of stuff. So we spent money on y'all to make this happen. But listen, that, that may be a sign of what you're going through right now. There may be something in your mind that's going, oh, should I do this? I'm going to be embarrassed. What's my hair going to look like? Da, 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 da. Press through that junk and just be obedient to Jesus. And you're going to be led back there and I'm going to invite you in. And then I'm going to ask you, what's your name and why do you want to be baptized? And we're going to ask you to share. Just It can be brief. It can be, you know what? I just want to say yes to Jesus. I've invited him into my heart. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And listen, here's the deal. Put, put this up here. You have this up here. This is the last point. Everybody is scared of the testimony. <laughs> All of us. But I want you to remember what Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus was stripped naked. And he was beaten 
and he was bruised. And I mean, I could, I could go into the details of what happened to Jesus' body, and it would gross us all out. And they took him, and they, they nailed his hands and feet to a cross, and they put him on public display. And he did that because he loves you. And so we can press through, I'm a little scared for him, can't we? And so let me, let me pray for you this morning. Everybody stand. And man, you can meet us back in the back. You can go out while I'm praying. That way everybody's eyes are closed. They're going to know you're going out. If somebody's in your way, push them out of the way. Let's get to the point. Laura, Laura will meet you in the back. Kim will meet you in the back. I'll meet you in the back. But go back there and, and, and listen. Everybody here is going to be cheering for you because there are a ton of people who have already made the decision to do what you've done. That they made that public declaration. They've said, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be baptized in front of a bunch of people. And so when you do that, you're joining a group of people that goes even beyond the ones in this room. From generations to generations, all the way back to John. So you're going to be in good company. Some of them are crazy, but it's good company. And so I encourage you to do that. As I pray, step out. As the band plays, step out and we'll get you going. Father, this morning I recognize there's somebody here and they're struggling with should I or shouldn't I. I'm kind of scared. I kind of want to. I'm embarrassed. I don't know. Right now I pray you would give them the strength to say yes to you. This is setting a standard for a lifetime of obedience. This is one of the first yeses that we can say to you. We say yes to you in salvation. Then you told us to say yes to you in baptism. And so, Father, I pray that today would be a mark for somebody, that it would, it would just solidify the fact that I'm going to live a life that is just the habit is saying yes to you. And so, Father, I pray that you give them the courage to do what you want to do. And we're going to celebrate with every single individual who makes this decision today. This is a big deal. This is a symbol of the old life passing away. It's gone, baby. And we're talking about a new life that you give to us. You have really made us new. And we're not locked into that old junk anymore. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with us over these next few minutes. This is so exciting. It's so much fun. And so, Lord, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.